Hey, Love Intently Tribe. Welcome back to the Love Intently Podcast, where our mission is to empower thriving relationships. And each week, I have incredible conversations with couples, thought leaders, and relationship experts around how they make a modern day love work. Here at Love Intently, we believe that you don't have to choose between love or work. And we truly believe that you can make both thrive, but it just takes some intention. And that's what we discuss here. And on this episode, we have the special pleasure to speak with Jen and Jonathan Lewis. They both share how they make their relationship and careers thrive. They just had their baby girl, who is the most precious sweet angel. But on this episode, I love how honest they are with the evolution of their relationship. They have the love that they have because they've worked on it and not because it came to them easily. Jonathan is currently the director at ThinkTiv, and he also teaches at Austin Center for Design, where I went to grad school. And it's also where Love Intently came from. And if you're curious about that story, you can go back to episode one for all of the details around the founder story. Jen is the founder of Person Clutch, a socially conscious handbag brand working to break the cycle of poverty by connecting you to talented artisans in Guatemala, Mexico, and Ethiopia. Their mission is to support sustainable long-term employment for men and women with limited opportunities. Their lines are absolutely gorgeous, and I've personally had the luxury and just pleasure to have multiple conversations with Jen throughout the years, and I've been able to watch her brand evolve and grow, and I will say that their products are top-notch, and their designs are incredible, so if you're looking for a gift or a gift for yourself, I would definitely recommend going to Person Clutch and checking all of it out. We'll also link them in our show notes. So you can find the links there. The thing that I love most about our conversation is just their honesty, as I've mentioned. And the thing that I found to be most true is that couples that have incredible relationships don't just wake up and have them. They've put a ton of work and time into making it work and iterating on that and understanding that what works for you in your first year of your relationship might look a lot different in year five because things change, your careers change, you move, you have kids, all these things. And so the thing that I find to be most true, it, it's rarely happily ever after, it's let's choose to make this happily ever after every day, which they do and share the nuggets of the how behind it all. So without further ado, here is their incredible story. Hi, Jen and Jonathan. It is such a pleasure to have you guys here on the Love Intently podcast. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. I would love for our audience to hear a little bit about how you guys met and fell in love. I feel like you have like a really short version and I have a really long version. Yeah, so (laughs) my short version is we met at the farmer's market in South Austin and we were both dating someone at the time um, and Jen was working for a nonprofit that was using organic gardening as a rehabilitative mechanism for people that used to be chronically homeless. Um, so she was at the farmer's market with that organization working as the volunteer coordinator and I was interested in the concept of the nonprofit. So I went to go check it out 
then started volunteering for the nonprofit. And then as Jen and I started spending more time together, we eventually started dating and, uh, and fell, fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever actually used that as a, um, a term falling in love, fell in, fell in love. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah. Until today. Yeah. Until today. This That's might good. Be, this might be the first time. I feel like you normally just say that we met at the farmer's market, which I feel like sounds like amazingly like serendipitous. Like we're both reaching for the same organic kale and like our eyes lock <laughs> instead of like I was working and we were coming to volunteer. Yeah. But actually, obviously, it was a good way to meet because we both cared about the same things. So how did the conversation strike up at the farmer's market? Were you like, oh, he's kind of cute? Well, okay, so we really were like we were both dating other people. I think I, I think I literally brought the girl I was dating. I think, yeah, I think you did. I don't really remember meeting her, but I feel like because of that, we like got to know each other as friends and as I mean, so basically with this program, we were starting to pilot this idea of community first um, as a as a rehabilitation technique for. Uh, working with the homeless. And so within that was this idea that we were going to live in this like trailer park. And when I found out that Jonathan was interested in actually like moving into this trailer park, he wasn't just like a finicky volunteer. He like truly wanted to, to be a part of this community. I feel like that's when I really started maybe seeing him in a different light. And so, yeah. So to provide quick context, um, the nonprofit was a housing first organization. So basically that meant that instead of that as a way to get people on their feet, they would put them in stable housing. And so um, the location for this community was a trailer park by the airport. So Jen and I were essentially volunteer residents uh, in the trailer park living, um, living next to people that were in the process of getting off the street. So that, I guess, is the other wrinkle to our courtship, uh, where um, we were living. Uh, we were living in the same trailer park down the street from one another, <laughs> which probably is not. Yeah, I guess many pe- for many people, I guess that's not that big of a deal. But um, yeah, it's it's somewhat atypical for the circles that we run in. How long were you guys there, and how was that experience? It was just over a year. Um, I think for me, because I was working there and trying to create community, it was pretty all encompassing. Like there was no, I could never really leave. I mean, I could, but right. Like I'm like living among and trying to create this community. And we had like uh, weekly breakfasts and it was, I feel like I learned a ton, but got exhausted pretty quickly. Um, which was another really great learning for kind of the work that I do now. But, um, yeah, I feel like it was a really good chance to kind of see each other's hearts because we were both pretty tired because Jonathan was working the whole time, another like totally separate full-time job at the time. This was just his like volunteer residency gig. So yeah, I feel like we got to know each other like pretty well, pretty quickly in like kind of more stressful circumstances, would you say? Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely, for me, it was definitely tough to both because by the time I got home from work, the last thing Jen was wanting to do was like do more work in terms of um, invest and the folks that she had been spending the day with. And so for me, the time was often decision between hanging out and spending time with Jen or spending time with 
um, some of our neighbors. And so I think that was something that I wasn't really expecting to have to choose, choose between. So I think it was tough, but I think there was just kind of a different type of kind of more mental struggle for me and feeling like I was neglecting somebody or something most of the time. So speaking of which, like, what do you guys currently do and what inspired the work you guys do now? I think it kind of segues a little bit into to my, my work. So um, I run an ethical fashion brand called Purse and Clutch, and we work with artisans currently in Ethiopia and in Guatemala to try to uh, create sustainable jobs by having the, the artisans that we partner with produce our designs. So in Ethiopia, it's a lot of leather workers. In Guatemala, we work with with women who do weaving and they uh, spin cotton and kind of work with all aspects of the the supply chain um, to hopefully create a product that has a really kind of dignified story to it. Mm. Yeah, so I've been doing that about seven years, like right after I moved out of the trailer park and stopped working with that nonprofit. I kind of wanted to, to do something with creating sustainable jobs because I saw how much dignity that that brought to people. And I knew for me, because I feel like I was still figuring out what I was doing. And so I was kind of working part-time jobs and learned a lot about kind of the value of work and knew that that was the kind of community development that I wanted to do. So still, still doing it, still plugging along and making some fun designs and enjoying the process. They are beautiful. Thanks. Uh, Yeah. So I work for an innovation consulting firm where I help manage our experience design and product strategy practices. Yeah. That's kind of it in a nutshell. (laughs) How did you get there? So I was a um, graduate of the Austin Center for Design, much like yourself, Sophie, (laughs) a few years before. um, And through the Austin Center for Design, tried to start a business, um, was not near as successful as Love Intently. Um, and so, uh, so when that didn't work out in the way that I'd hoped, uh, I decided to go to consulting and product design full-time. And so I was at a company called, um, a design firm called Handsome here in Austin for about three years and then moved to the company where I'm at now called Thinktive, um, where we take a holistic time or a holistic approach to value creation for businesses, but leveraging pretty extensively design methodologies to drive, um, to drive company strategy. But yeah, it's, uh, it's the, I really, I really like my job. It's, it's very interesting. It's, um, I would say for both of us, our, our jobs are a lot, feel like a lot of work, but, um, but as far as, feeling challenged and feeling like the work that you're doing is is meaningful, I think, and we're both pretty fortunate. Yeah, I think that's something I really love about both of you guys, because I know that you guys really support each other in pursuing the things you guys are passionate about and have done that for as long as you guys have been together. So how many years has it been exactly? Okay, well, we've been married six and a half years. And we dated a year and a half. Oh, and we were engaged in there somewhere. Two years. Yeah, so, so eight years, eight or, nine. eight or nine years. Not super exact. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, I was just curious on how many years, um, just to give people a perspective of that. Mm-hmm. How have you guys stayed connected through all of the seasons and changes in between career and going to grad school and starting a business. Um, what are some tips or pointers or some things you guys have learned 
feel like um, having a baby. <laughs> it's probably a really weird uh, tip or pointer, but we have a one-year-old daughter. And I think that I know for me, like I felt more connected this last year as like, I, I literally cannot do it on my own and don't want to. But I think in, in the past, we are like both pretty like self-sufficient. We both like what we do and kind of overlap when we overlap. But when our daughter Gray decided to join our family, <laughs> it's a weird way to say that, but yeah, I feel like it's, it's kind of forced a little bit more reliance and has it's been a, a really good thing, I think, for us in kind of having to check in of like, all right, it's it's breakfast. Like, are you are you feeding breakfast? Am I? Are you getting up in the morning? Or am I? And um, and then I think too, just like the joy of being able to see you know, the other person connect to this like little baby that we both love so much. I think has felt like really connecting. I know that's a really strange answer. Yeah, I don't know that. So while <laughs> um. While Gray was, while Gray is, Gray's our daughter. Um, well, I'm very grateful for her. Uh, I don't know that I would recommend to. No, I don't think I recommend it as a <laughs> I don't know that I'd recommend to all your listeners to have a baby uh, as a way to navigate life's complexities and make that better. Um, I think, as far as like advice, um, I think it's that there's no kind of one size fits all like answer as far as the right path to take in a relationship in the sense of, I think, I think it's really easy to get caught in the trap of there's like the right answer in a situation in terms of how I ought to be or act towards um, my partner. Um, and so I think that especially as it relates to navigating career and school and parenthood and, um, supporting someone else's career, a lot of the decisions and conversations and rhythms are based on kind of the unique personalities of the person that you are in a relationship with. And so to summarize and repeat it, I guess it's just not, not feeling like there's a single kind of right way to, to navigate things or feel like there's a single like moral one single moral way to, to kind of engage, but um, a lot of it is just dependent on context and depend on the human that you happen to be partnered with and the season of life that they're in, right? As far as like navigating entrepreneurship and being new parents, and there's, I feel like there's a lot of season shifts in, in just managing that. Like if you're not intentional, you can very easily start to drift and lose connection. What's kind of helped you guys stay connected through that journey? similar to kind of what you were saying too it's like it's breaking down those expectations so like we always had family dinner together every night so then in my mind like oh we have a kid like we have family dinner but that doesn't work with our schedule it doesn't work for when Greg goes to sleep and when Jonathan gets home or if I'm working on the weekends like that doesn't make sense and so maybe we try to be intentional about breakfast or you know or maybe there's another way to kind of get in these like times to connect and and breaking down those those expectations of this is what I thought like a family or a relationship looked like, because that's what was shown to me and it seemed to work. So, um, but my, you know, my parents or other families I've observed are going to be very different than who we are. So breaking down those, those expectations and I guess just trying stuff too. I love traditions and routines. Jonathan loves flexibility and spontaneity (laughs) And so I feel like we're still like figuring that out 
because I want to say like, great, like let's have breakfast together every morning for the rest of our lives. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, like let's wait and see how this plays out. So I feel like we're still kind of building those, those things and kind of trying and seeing what works and what feels, feels like us and letting those. Yeah. Things I mean, I think what's helped is just not giving up. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of, for me, a lot of counseling, a lot of meditation, mm-hmm. a lot of exercise. Um, for me, I think it, it's come down to a lot of figuring out what I need from a self-care perspective um, in order to have kind of energy and resources in order to support Jen, support, support our daughter. Yeah, I think that's so important, understanding what you need and being full first before seeking your partner to fulfill all these other buckets. You know, it's like yeah. your responsibility. Yeah. Um, you mentioned counseling and I kind of wanted to ask like where in the journey of your relationship did you introduce that? And like, how did that conversation go about? Because I do feel like it's such a stigmatized thing still, but so helpful. Um, I feel like we noticed that we were getting into the patterns of the same conversations and feeling really stuck in that and thinking like we could get stuck in this same fight essentially like for the next 35 years and then go to counseling, or we could bring in an expert to help us like figure out when we weren't frustrated, we could recognize that we were both for the other person. So I feel like we always had that commitment and that trust that we were going to figure out a way to work through it. And so knowing like that we're getting stuck in these cycles, I feel like that was kind of the impetus. So we, we went to marital counseling for about a year and then stopped. And then when we kind of decided that we were maybe ready to, to like try to start having kids, we went back, we went to a different marital counselor because the first one was no longer available to kind of talk through like, like let's, let's make sure we're not passing on any bad habits or, or any types of communications. I mean, not that, I mean, yes, we are passing everything on to our daughter, but um, like, let's try to head some of these things off so that we can enjoy each other more. Yeah. Um, I mean, f- for me, I don't think that it was, it was less of a stigma for me and more just the like pain of finding a counselor and a therapist that was, um, a good fit just because so that that was really the toughest thing for me if just like okay like the mental hurdle of it right the mental hurdle of more just who do we find what if we don't like them does that mean we're gonna have to start over with somebody um because it's definitely it's not like you know relational cocaine and we're in the sense of like you have to meet with somebody for a long time to generally get bit in my experience, get benefit out of it. And so like, it's a lot of money. And so like, if you're trying to think like, okay, I want a hundred dollars worth of value out of this single first session, (laughs) which is how my brain usually works. doesn't really work that way. And so it's just, it was more of the, that, that was more of the challenge for me as opposed to, um, as opposed to the stigma, but I can, I can see, and I get that a lot of other couples or that going to a therapist can have a bit of a stigma attached. I guess I just, I I left that long ago. Just embrace, (laughs) embrace therapy. Highly recommend. Yeah. Do you have any advice on navigating, finding the right 
therapist or counselor, like what, what things do you guys look for now and what help? Our first counselor was a recommendation from a friend. And I think she knew both of us and knew kind of the, our personalities and our quirks. Cause that's the thing. It's like, we both have to like the counselor. Like there's like that exponential um, challenge there. But I think having a recommendation from a friend that knew us that was like, no, like she, I think she said specifically, like, I think Jonathan will respect this woman and like knew that that's what, but knew that like, that's like, you needed to be able to respect the counselor. Not because she was a woman. No, 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 no. <laughs> to be able to respect other humans. It happened to be a woman who was our first counselor. <laughs> I didn't mean to paint you that way by any means. Um, knew that you would respect the counselor because that's something that you needed to be able to like trust. And she, I think she knew like personality wise that like I might be able to get along with it. Anyways, that's how I found the first counselor. How did you find the second? My individual therapist recommended the second marriage counselor. Um, and for that one, it was mostly just a convenience of proximity. Uh, they were kind of a mile, mile and a half from our house. I mean, granted, he was fine. I was good, but... Um, like fit with the schedule of like meeting in the middle of the day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the investment of time and navigate. Yeah. It's, it's a lot, but, um, but the question of how do you find it? Like find, find a friend that you feel like is either similar to you in many ways and is seeing a counselor and see who they see. Um, yeah, I think just word of mouth and, um, and I think if I had to do it over again, I would, I would see if I could find more people that went to a specific counselor, even though that, I don't know how I would get that information. Cause I would imagine that's incredibly confidential on behalf of the like therapist side of things, but you know, seeing if I can navigate friend networks <laughs> to see who, who's even here. My next question is for Jen in since launching person clutch, what are some things that Jonathan has kind of done to be supportive on this journey with you and starting your venture and making it sustainable. What are some like helpful things that your Jonathan has kind of helped you with or helped keep you going? Yeah. I, it's funny. The first thing that I think of is was earlier on. I remember when we were living in our apartment on Riverside, I would come home from a trunk show and we lived on like the third floor and I would come like dragging this huge bag of, you know, wares that I had just, you know, tried to sell at a market. And he would have like a glass of wine waiting, like sitting and waiting for me. And also knew that I had been talking to people all day and that I'm an introvert and that I just like needed time to like decompress. And so I feel like it was like, there was a glass of wine there and like you cleaned up the house a little bit or like things that like I didn't then have to do or think about. Like I could just be a business owner and then recover instead of having to like, like think about just like household duties. I mean, there's just so many hats that you wear. I just feel like it was nice to like have one less hat to wear for that evening, knowing that I was going to be exhausted. So that's like a really tiny, like specific example. But I think those kind of things actually speak volumes to, to showing support. I think I mean, one of the rooms of our house is completely dedicated to person clutch and is like handbags everywhere, smells of leather, like pretty much unable to use it in any other capacity. And it's just part of our house. And we happen to have a three bedroom house and that works out well. And so I feel like 
again, like little things like that, where it's like, I feel like person clutch can be integrated into, into life in that sorts of way, in that sort of way. Um, I think too, you know, there's been years when person clutch hasn't financially been able to support, support us, um, or support me. And I think Jonathan, you know, choosing a, a steady, stable job has meant that it's not something that I have to like stress. Like if there's a, if there was a month that I didn't, you know, I wasn't able to contribute, like that was okay. If there was a year, you know, if I wanted to, to basically take on something larger and, and take on the risk with person clutch, like I was able to do that because of you know, Jonathan providing for, for us in that way. And yeah. Jonathan, do you have any advice for spouses that are supporting somebody on an entrepreneurial journey and and just like how you've navigated both like I'm sure amazing parts of it, but also I'm sure some points were are difficult, not as easy? Sure. Um, I think just being prepared for it to be really difficult. Um, I think it kind of goes back to like the general advice of how to navigate of relational complexities when both people are super busy and driven uh, and and trying to kind of and, and pretty ambitious um, and so realize that it's going to be really hard um, start meditating <laughs> uh, start seeing a therapist uh, and uh, and yeah and and I think like realizing that there's always like multiple narratives to any sort of situation or decision or diagnosis of a um, kind of something that feels unpleasant. Um, I think it's really easy to insert or project your own kind of beliefs around what's going on and, or what project my own beliefs around what's going on in Jen's head or what she's up to or kind of what her intentions are. And I think realizing that like, that there's never a single single narrative explanation around like kind of what's working, what's not working, what should be done next. And I think for us, it was also really important for me to try and stay out of a lot of the business decisions, um, if not not all the business decisions. And then, um, and I think the other, the other one is just realizing that there's like multiple currencies by which um, success can be um, determined. Um, and so it's not necessarily, you know, for a business or a venture or a project to be, to be successful doesn't mean that it has to kind of drive 10x like ROI. There's, you know, relational and social and kind of impact related currencies um, or even just kind of general like meaning, meaning related currencies that, um, that I think are important to take into account. And so, yeah, that little bit of a long-winded answer so if you're sorry but um no yeah. don't apologize um that's said very well and eloquently um my next question is you guys mentioned that early on in your journey you guys kept fighting about the same thing what was that and like how did you guys move past it did you guys like come to resolution with that or is it something you just kind of let go Man, what was that? I guess it's good that it's not like on the forefront of my mind. I feel like it's it was more this like cycle. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think um, the cycle from what I've read and what all of our therapists have told us, um, <laughs> it's generally the cycle of 
somebody, one of us getting um, triggered and then um, kind of going to our default reactions to feeling like threatened in some way. So for example, if, um, if Jim were to get upset and she would tend to engage in like, Talk more. Try to explain yeah, try it to, more. Try to, in, try yeah, to so basically she yeah. tries to kind of, her defense mechanism is like lashing out in, in many ways. And my defense mechanism is retreating. And so that creates a vicious cycle where like my retreating makes Jen, or often will lead to Jen feeling more upset, more alone, more not listened to, not heard. and and her reactions would would often lead me to retreating even more. And so I think Sue Johnson talks about that a lot, uh, the emotion focused therapy lady. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's so it w- rarely would it be about, I mean, like list the top stressors of like a relationship, <laughs> job, money, kids, um, right. friends, and how you spend your time. Uh, and then how how should we spend our time together uh and what does that look like and you know the whole how do we each give and receive love which um for the amount of time people have been saying i think you know there's yeah it's you're never gonna there's always room to improve and and which is one of the reasons why i think sophie your love intently is is important uh just because I don't know, love languages, love personality. I, I can't, I, I don't know what you, I can't remember what you guys call it, but um, figuring out that aspect of a relationship is important. Right. Yeah. I think one of the ways that we've gotten better, like through therapy and through, you know, reading books and prayer and anything else, um, I think has been like really, I think trying to to learn to notice each other's triggers. And so it's like, if we can just like notice, Oh, okay. We're in that cycle. Like, then I know, like I can just like take it back a notch and that like, we can solve this later. And that I can actually maybe just care for like Jonathan withdrawing, or if, if he's the one who happens to notice, cause he has more like wherewithal at the time or is less triggered then he can notice like, Oh, Jen's kind of lashing out. Maybe she thinks I'm withdrawing. Like I'll reach out to her and that'll deescalate. And so I think we're, very slowly like getting better at like recognizing and even like thinking to look for that i mean on our better days what's something that you guys wish you knew earlier in your relationship or marriage i think i wish i wish i i mean what what comes to mind is i think of the golden rule, right. is like do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And like, that has not worked for me at all. Like, because that idea of like, I wish, like, I would love for someone to like write me a note and like tuck it in my luggage before I leave. And like, I find it and they were thinking of me, I can leave Jonathan a note and like, he might not even see it. Like it does not, or I mean, this is a dumb example, but you know, like he wouldn't care. So I'm like, I was putting forth early on all of this effort in like giving in all these ways that like I would love to receive that like doesn't even like make it on his radar. And so I'm exhausting a lot of my resources while not like resourcing him whatsoever. And so I feel like it took a long time to realize like, no, actually like when I 
Like if I clean the dishes, I'm doing that because I want the dishes to be clean. I, like Jonathan's not, never going to notice a dirty dish. Like that doesn't bless him at all. Um, and so I feel like it took a, a while and I wish I would have learned that a lot, a lot earlier to really figure out like, like what is it that, that really makes Jonathan light up and like do that regardless of if that would be meaningful for me. Yeah. So I think for me, you know, I keep beating the same drum, Sophie. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> but like for me, I think um, meditation, the practice of meditation has actually been super important, partly because I wasn't really aware of like feelings and what was going on. And, and so I would, the way that I would deal with um, conflict was either like, was, was quite literally either like fight or, or flight but not really be aware of like what was going on physiologically in terms of like, how did I get to that point? And so I would get to the point of feeling so kind of emotionally hijacked and triggered. And so, and I think from what I've read and heard, I think that that might be the case for many um, people, for many people that grew up as kind of identifying as a, a man, um, just because I think that like not, putting a lot of emphasis or value on emotions at least was kind of the way that I was brought up. And so trying to make a priority of becoming more aware of um, just kind of thought like your own internal world of thoughts and feelings, I think can help avoid a lot of kind of unnecessary escalations of different fights and, and heated conversations. How did you start meditation and like, what does your practice look like now? Yeah, so totally just like the gamified. Uh, it's it's head. I use Headspace, uh, and so uh, with which, yeah. Um, I just assume that all Love Intently podcast <laughs> listeners are probably also Headspace users, and so not that like new of a of a novel of a thing. But, um, but yeah, it's just like gorgeous australian oh, i say gorgeous like it's a man with just a gorgeous voice that's from australia or new zealand or something um leads guided meditations i actually and I, I did cancel i do the yearly subscription so i did cancel so i have a year left and then we'll see if i renew but um not because i'll definitely continue meditating but like uh as much as as much as I like hearing Andy's voice, that's the guy on Headspace, Andy. As much as I like hearing Andy's voice every day, yeah, it was just it was just tough tough to justify that eight bucks a month or whatever it was. But um, yeah, it's Headspace. That's basically all I do. Right. How long ago did you start? I can tell you. My app tells you. <laughs> I've meditated. I was looking. I met. I've meditated for like fourteen thousand minutes since. Wow. Like three years ago, maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. You can move on to that next one. I'll find it though. 14,000 minutes. It's not that important. 14,000 minutes, three issues. Yeah. What got you started? Because what you, you hit on that is really important. And I do believe that's a part of why people that identify with males struggle with tapping into their emotions is because it wasn't really championed or advised. If anything, it was the opposite. Like, What was that journey for you in in realizing that how important that was and, and taking that next step. Yeah. I don't know that I, I mean, I feel like I could have logically said like, this is an important thing in the context of a relationship, this being, of being more in, tapped into what's kind of what you're feeling and what you're experiencing within a specific moment. 
So I think getting into meditation, the, the catalyst or trigger was just the overwhelming body of research that shows like all of the benefits that um, that meditation brings. And I think Headspace at the time was just doing, you know, they, they got me into their marketing funnel. What can I say? And through the right enough email and drip campaigns and, and retargeting ads on Facebook, I, they eventually got me. Um, I feel like you're selling yourself a little bit short though, because I feel like once you, like once you bought in or once you like realize the effect of meditation, like you've been so intentional about carving time out to make sure that that happens every day. I mean, I feel like even when we have like newborn daughter, things feel crazy. Like, I feel like you understood, like, this is important. Like this has to happen today for me to be able to function. And I feel like you were really tenacious about that. Like, I feel like you're, yeah, I, I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a glutton for things that are like supposed to be good for you. Um, so like label something as superfood. I'm, you know, acai. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I'm, I have acai. I can't do the acai powder because it like ants. Good, <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, name a few other powders and we have them. And we have them. Like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so huge, huge headspace or huge meditation fan in general, and um, yeah, but it wasn't wasn't like I felt this gap of like, ah, oh, I need to feel more, be more mindful. It was, I don't feel great now, and I'm not doing this thing that more and more kind of research is saying is a good thing. So um, I guess it was a catalyst for me. Jen, are you a headspacer? I'm not. I'm not. What do you do for self care? I feel like for me, I spend a, a lot of time like trying to be mindful. But for me, it's it's maybe more just like object based. But I don't think that that's necessarily the term. But I do. I take a lot of walks because that's something I know that I can do with Gray. And Gray is like great in the stroller. So I'll walk for an hour and um, just try to like be present or just try to like notice this neighbor has painted the house and like notice what these shoes feel like that I'm wearing. And, um, there's a headspace for walking and maybe I'll, maybe I'll try it. All you listeners out there. Maybe, maybe I'll try it. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like I kind of got into more mindfulness stuff when I was pregnant. So it was like reading, we read a a book called mindful birthing. And I think I was pretty terrified of, of, giving birth and not knowing what that was going to be like. And so I think it was a lot of just like learning to just be present in the moment and just be curious about what's going on. And so I think because it was more like intertwined with being pregnant for me, it's more like kind of intertwined throughout the day. And also like, because I work from home, because I own my own business, like I can just like stop and take a walk whenever I need to kind of clear my head. And um, I think that for me, there's something about being outside that kind of induces that kind of mindfulness. Yeah. Is there anything that you wish another person would have told you sooner in your entrepreneurial journey as like a woman and a new mom? Yeah. I think I wish I would have known that it, that it can look like whatever I want it to look like. I don't have to create a huge company and sell it. I don't have to, um, take investors if I don't want to. It doesn't have to look like a tech company because that's what everyone in Austin's doing. It doesn't have to I don't have to be the face of the company. Like 
I don't have to suddenly like change my style because now I, you know, own a fashion brand. Like, I think I had this expectation of maybe what it needed to look like, but like, I, I got my degree in chemistry and I love like the spreadsheets. Like that's when I get like energized. So I, I think that like I get to build whatever job I want for myself essentially. So like, why not build one that's more focused on, on the data that makes sense so that we can serve our artisans better instead of trying to like wear lipstick and and go to some event that like isn't going to be me and I'm not going to feel comfortable. So I wish I kind of had, had known that there was a, a space in starting a business for like me as an individual and who I am. Uh, what is your favorite thing about your significant other? <laughs> oh, so tough to choose. <laughs> okay, or one of them. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I really appreciate how disciplined um, Janet is in terms of when she says she's going to do something, she does it. And yeah, and so just in terms of the amount of things that she's able to manage and, um, and carry, I think it's just a speaks to how disciplined she is with her time and uh, what she chooses to invest in. Um, I really like how Jonathan will always bring a different point of view. Usually like that. No, I most of the time really appreciate that. I just, it's just so easy for people to get stuck in one way of thinking. And I think that without much effort, you can come up with like seven new ways of thinking about something that no one else would think of and that it's, it's creative and it's insightful. And I, I think that, that your friends and your family and, and I like can come to you as that resource. And I think what I like about it too, is that it, I can see you kind of become alive in that and get really excited and energized by just like thinking really differently. Where can people find you and how can we support you? Well, the Person Clutch website is purseandclutch.com. And we're on Instagram and Facebook and all the social media channels at Person Clutch. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, if you Google me, I guess I'll come up probably. <laughs> um, I don't know that, not that you would need to find me, but Google me. <laughs> you can reach out to Person Clutch and I'll connect you with Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds. Sounds good. Well, before we wrap up and go on to the last two questions, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge both of you and just say thank you so much for your support of Love Intently. Genuinely would not be here with both of you and the mentorship and just conversations that we've had through the years um, and just for all that you do for our community in general and for as long as you guys have been together and before that like you guys have a genuine heart for impact and it's just been such an honor to be in the same city and community with you Uh, thanks sophie happy to happy to help and be a part of this thanks for having us yeah it's been fun well the last two questions last one is what is the best relationship advice you've ever been given Mm -hmm. i had a friend tell me um, to always assume that the other person is doing more work than you are in the relationship. If that's like putting in more like work around the house, if that's like contributing more financially, if that's like investing more in the other person emotionally, like just assume that the other person is doing more than you. Um, 
And I found that to be really helpful. Well, what does love intently or love mean to you? I think when I think of love intently, I think of like someone looking at you with their eyebrows raised, like leaning forward, like that idea of like intent and like focusing like right on you. And I think there's just something about, about being seen in the context of kind of the commitment of marriage. That's, that's a really beautiful, beautiful thing. I think for me, it's in the context of like never giving up uh, in the sense of, and not in the sense of like macro, like, Am I going to choose to continue to be in a relationship, but more like every day is a decision of whether you can choose to kind of show up or not in the context of a relationship. And I think it's choosing to show up and not give up on a day-to-day basis. Thank you so much for listening, friends. If you liked what you heard, we would be so, so, so honored if you could leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It really helps other people find us. And lastly, if you haven't already, be sure to take the love personality quiz at loveintently.com. It identifies your love personality and how you love, connect, and communicate best. It's so important to have language around your needs so that you can communicate to your current partner or if you're single, your future partner. Thanks again for listening. We so cherish your time. Have a beautiful week. Until next time with love and intention.